Welcome to the Geek Teek Podcast, where we're still recapping the best of the year, even though it's the next year now. If we've scheduled this right, which I think we have, this is our last episode of season one. I am Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. It's next year somehow. We're talking in time traveling, weebly-wobbly. We are. We've never scheduled anything out this far ahead, but we did want to give ourselves some time off for the holidays. So today we are talking about the best of the rest for 2016. Last episode, which for you guys was last week, for us it was yesterday, <laughs> and right. we talked all about our favorite video games from the year. This is everything else. Um, we kind of grouped it all together because if you guys haven't noticed, we have a smattering of everything, but we tend to talk about video games more than anything else. So this is all of the rest of the things that we're into that we talked about this year that we like, um, TV shows, movies, books, podcasts, like anything you can think of has been thrown in here, even though they're not all on the top list, but yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And it's kind of funny that again, we ended up with a top six. We were going to do a top five, but just like last week, it didn't work out that way. So we're going to do a top six and it'll be fine. <laughs> and it was completely not intentional either, where we were just talking and putting these into the list at the same time. And it's like, oh, I've got six and I can't decide which one goes into the top five. It's like, we're just going to do a top six. Yeah. Like yeah. Just, that, that's it. So enough about the structure let's get into it um i know just like last week you wanted to talk a little bit about um letdowns first and then just right. very quickly we're not going to stay negative guys we're going to be mostly positive oh, yeah. this episode and i just want to say i didn't really have any letdowns this year and it's not that i didn't watch anything bad or try to read a bad book or anything but most of the things that were bad were things that i didn't have expectations about going into them so by the time that makes I, sense. yeah by the time i sat down and read it or watched it or listened to it or whatever it was like oh okay well I had no expectations. This is bad. I'm just going to put it down and not finish it. No big deal. But I know that you were let down by at least one thing. Yeah. The only thing that really honestly let me down was Batman versus Superman because I went in. I loved Man of Steel. My wife is a huge Superman fan and she has somehow made me a Superman fan. So I liked Man of Steel and I was hoping that Batman versus Superman would at least be the same kind of, you know, mediocre quality that it had. And I had such low expectations that I saw the trailers for Batman vs. Superman and realized that it was going to be terrible and not good at all. So I went in with like lowest rung possible expectations and it was even worse than I expected. So when a it was like subterranean, like third circle of hell bad for me. And it's like, how can it get that low? So I was super let down that it was worse than the worst I expected it could be. Yeah, that's sad. And I mean, I I know that you, I think you're more into Batman and Superman than me, which is why you were set up to be let down. I don't really have an attachment to DC Comics very much in general. And yeah, yeah, I I expected what it was. And when I did eventually watch it, I don't even know if I talked about it on the podcast, but it it wasn't good, but it was basically what I expected out of it. I got a lot of texts from you about it because you watched the extended edition, That's and right. they were one of the most fun things over the uh, over the summer, I believe, that I got from you. And, I mean, it was such a letdown for me that I still haven't seen Suicide Squad, even though I hear mixed things that it's better than Batman vs. Superman. it was Batman vs. Superman was so bad that I'm like, I'm not even giving DC a chance until I see Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not a bad call. Okay, uh, let's get two more positive things. Yeah, so, no, good things. Yeah, honorable mentions. Um, I think yours is slightly shorter than mine, so let's go with yours first. Okay, um, Rogue One is probably in my honorable mentions. I should probably just go ahead and do that. For those of you who were listening to our uh, Fight Club episode a couple of weeks back where we disagreed more about Star Wars than we've ever disagreed on anything in our lives, um, it's in my honorable mentions. I just just don't care about it it's good it's it's a good movie but it's not a top thing that i watched this year it was eh for me okay yeah i i kind of expected that after our discussion and then i liked fuller house a lot like the more i think about it that's going to be one of those shows that when i want something silly and stupid that i can just put on in the background it's going to be there just as comfort tv because it's so full of nostalgia. It's like when I was having bad anxiety attacks in January, I would go watch Disney movies because cartoons were the only thing that really consoled me when I couldn't sleep at two o'clock in the morning from panic. That's how I feel Fuller House is going to be. Just one of those comfort. I have it on. I don't have to think at all. And I'll giggle occasionally. Yeah, I think we're probably overdue to do a, like a Netflix Originals episode. So we're going right. to we'll definitely have to hit that sometime early season two. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, then for me, it was the Ms. Marvel graphic novels. They're just fantastic. She might be my favorite superhero at this point, just in terms of having fun reading something and not being able to expect what they're doing. I really like it. I know Rob has done some stuff on the comic box of, uh, talking about champions, and I got him reading that. So I'm looking forward to getting into that because it's not on Marvel Unlimited yet. But Ms. Marvel is the only comic book that I get the trade of now every time i pre-order them every time they go up just to get them in because we want the collection sweet i yeah. love them and that's one that i always catch up on when i get uh, marvel unlimited i did the, i'm still thinking about the double find adventure documentary i talked about i think in our very first episode of last year it might have been yeah I think so. And it's really good. It was making Broken Age. And as of this recording, uh, I got my new iPhone yesterday. So I'll have played it by the time you guys listen to this. But I re-downloaded Broken Age to play the point and click on the bigger screen that they were making in that documentary. So it's going to be fun. I look forward to that. And I just keep going back to it because it was so interesting to me. So you guys should definitely check that one out. But it's not good enough for, you know, the top things I watched this year. But it, it made me binge it. The 10% Happier app, I found it last year, but at the same time, I've been using it consistently this year, almost every day, using guided meditations, things like that. So honorable mention just for the app consistently being high quality. And I think The Blood Mirror by Brent Weeks is the only book I've read this year. So it has to be on here. I went nuts and couldn't read the uh, couldn't read or listen to anything. So I have to put the only book that's been able to keep my attention through all of the weird mental stuff that I've had. And it was super good. And I can't wait for book five to finish up and see where it goes. Yep. Yep. I'm excited Did for book you finish five that too. right. Yeah, I finished it. I'm I'm ready for book five. I felt like I didn't enjoy four as much as you, but I'm glad that it kind of got you back into reading after evening out it and did. stuff. So, yeah, I totally get why it's on here. Yeah. And then Star Wars Rebels. I haven't finished season three, but the end of season two was so good that I started to care so much more about these characters than I ever did before. And I know that's not the way that you look at it because you're still meh on most of the crew, but I really like them and their dynamic where it feels like a fully fleshed out TV show now instead of just a kid's cartoon. Yeah. And this is the first one on your honorable mentions. It's also on mine. So I like Star Wars Rebels, um, especially the end of season two, like you were talking about. And I like season three also. Um, I'm pretty sure by the end of season three, I'll be like, I'll love it again because they right. always draw that main Jedi storyline across the whole season. And by the time I get to the yeah. end, like a lot of the individual episodes have kind of wrapped into that storyline and it all comes to a head. And that's great. But right now where we are in the middle of the season, I'm still kind of like, yeah, it's OK, but I'm, I'm not like totally absolutely in love for it. It doesn't get ranked for me this year. That's understandable, especially because, I mean, I fell asleep in the first episode of it, but it was super late and I haven't gone back. But I can definitely see how it's going to be one of my top seasons of it from what they're doing. But the end of season two put it on there because it was just so good with the way that they finished up that season. Yep, for sure. And then Supergirl. I know you're not watching Supergirl and it's not your kind of show. I cannot recommend this to you, but for somebody who likes silly, fun CW shows like I do, Supergirl is awesome. I didn't, I liked it okay at first. I didn't really buy into it, but the, I don't even know how to put it, the tone of the show, it found its footing and it kind of changed a little bit after five or six episodes that my wife was watching it and I would just come into the room occasionally and then I got invested by just being in the room about halfway, about th a quarter of the way to a half the way through the first season and now we watch it together because it turned out to be a very good show that hit the kind of stuff that we both like watching. Okay, I'm going to interject with one of my honorable mentions, which is The Flash season one, because it kind of goes ah. hand in hand with this. I'm really surprised because you didn't like The Flash at all, and I didn't like Supergirl no. at all, but they're both kind of that CWE feel to the yeah. show. Um, and they're both superheroes, and they're both in the same universe now. Like, there are so, sim so many similarities, but we both went to different ones. And I watched season one of the flash this year even though it came out like two right. almost three years ago so this was the first year i found it and i loved that first season and then the second season slowly lost me and then i tried to do the start of the third season and i just i gave up so the flash is not an ongoing show which is why it's an honorable mention because i still think that first season is really good and i enjoyed my time with it and i've only seen the pilot of it and it was 
great the first time I saw it. Then I couldn't get into it when we watched it the second time. And so we never finished out that season, which I probably should. I'll go back and do it eventually. But I really love the crossovers because I love the actor who plays the Flash. And I love what they do with it. The Supergirl and Flash crossovers, I'm all about, though. And then Luke Cage. It was in my top six I guess for a long time and then other stuff I thought about I tended to like better than Luke Cage but I think it is probably the second best Netflix original that they've done it's behind Jessica Jones for me in terms in terms of the MCU but uh because I finished Daredevil season one and it's not even an honorable mention but Luke Cage it was so good it just didn't grip me the way Jessica Jones did yep and Luke Cage is on my honorable mentions also but then I also have the Daredevil season two which came out this year yeah because I I you guys know by now if you've listened to all the episodes um Daredevil season one I was glad that I had watched it but I didn't actually like watching it that much and I don't recommend it very highly but because of all the establishing stuff they did with that, when they got to season two, it was in a spot where like, it got really good. I liked season two so much more than season one, especially because of all the stuff they did with the Punisher, which was really compelling to me, probably because yeah. I have a family and his stuff is all about family in an interesting way. But yeah, I, I'm excited to see what you think about Daredevil season two whenever you get around to it. Yeah, I've got I've watched the first episode of it. And the only thing that I feel as though I'm going to have a problem with in season two is I don't like the Punisher because of the hyper violence. And I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about it because that it's not as though it makes me uncomfortable. It's that I find it uninteresting. So I'm going to I'm interested to see if they handle it in a way that I will enjoy or if it is a way that fans of the Punisher would enjoy. Yeah, I think part of it was um, season one of Daredevil seemed like it got hyper violent because it could get like hyper violent because it was the first netflix mcu show so everything has to be like m and super violent because they can finally Mm -hmm. and season two of daredevil it feels like every time they are that violent it is for a purpose and not just because I hope so, because the first episode, and this is only a minor spoiler where it's not, it's in the very first episode at the beginning, when the Irish mob has that scene where it's super violent, it didn't seem to have a purpose to be so graphic and just on point like that, where it was just focusing in on everything and just the gratuity. I just, I hope the rest of it feels like there's more of a narrative reason because they could have done that without the the gratuity yeah yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see what you think when you've seen the whole season in context and i look forward to i will definitely get to that so and then you know it's weird but i just discovered linux that i installed linux my computer kept crashing this year and i finally got really tired of windows and installed ubuntu on my computer so i've really 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 enjoy getting to know how to play around with linux and do things on it so it had to be an honorable mention for me because i've just enjoyed toying around with it it's not my daily driver right now because i've been playing a lot more video games but when i'm just working on my desktop i go there so I don't get distracted. And then I like Zootopia. I love Disney movies. Like Zootopia was so good. It handled everything so well to have such a a meaning. It was actually making social commentary without actually saying anything so blatantly. Kind of like, you know, I hated Happy Feet, if you ever saw it, because it was a fun movie about dancing penguins. And then all of a sudden it switched tack into we have to protect the oceans. Oh, my goodness. People are terrible. And Zootopia never felt as though it was preachy. And I really liked that because it was just fun. You watched it and it's like, oh, yeah, I see what they're doing here. And it was just it was just so well put together. It may be one of my favorite Disney movies right now, just because it was it just they did everything so well. Yeah. And uh, Disney's really been doing well lately. It seems like they've finally kind of getting back to how good they used to be. Like, I mean, it's it's yeah. different, right? But when we were kids, they had the animated movies that were hand-drawn that were just, uh-huh. like, the best of the best, best in class, you know? Things like Aladdin and The Lion King and stuff like that um, and all of the other movies that we grew up on. And then there was this huge gap where, like, it Disney just didn't seem to have it. And now suddenly they, they own the MCU, they own Star Wars, and they're coming out with things like Zootopia and supposedly Moana is just supposed to be amazing, which I haven't seen yet, but I fully intend to next year. Um, Well, this year when you guys are listening to this, I keep forgetting when this one's (laughs) coming up. Um, But yeah, I fully intend to go see Moana because it's supposed to be just fantastic. And it it seems like Disney's kind of getting their groove back on, I guess they're not animated so much as they're CG, but they use animation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're, 
they're finally getting that again. Like they, you're right. They hit this really terrible. They hit this really terrible streak where they had like Roseanne Barr being one of the main characters, and I can't remember the name. It was at Home on the Range, and those were just. I turned it off. That and Brother Bear are the only two Disney movies I've ever turned off and been like, nope, I'm done. And right now, I'm going to see Moana this week, I believe. Uh, As of this recording, I should see it. We have a couple of movie tickets that a friend gave us, and we're going to use them for that. So, Jennifer and I love going and seeing kids' movies in the theater. And then, I took Doctor Strange off my top five this morning. It was number two, and then the more I thought about it... I took it off and put it into the honorable mentions and I replaced it with something else that I'm pretty sure you have on yours. I can't remember, I do, but yep. it's it's I moved it out because the more I thought about it, the more invested I was in the one I replaced it with, even though Doctor Strange may be in my it's at least in my top five of the MCU movies. And it may be way higher than that once I see it again, because I only saw it once in the theater. Yeah. And so Doctor Strange is on my honorable mentions also. And I think that says something about the MCU. I'm not exactly sure what, but both of us really liked it. Both of us thought it was a little bit different than normal. But I I think that we've had so much MCU at this point. It was kind of like what we talked about in the Rogue One episode, where they just keep doing the same hero's journey over and over, and they're not different enough. So even though we liked it, and both of us think it's a great MCU movie, and we like the episode that we did about it, both of us were basically just gushing because we loved it. Um, And it didn't make the cut for either of our top six. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think that they're kind of on the trajectory they are, and they have to see it through through um, Infinity War and whatever Infinity War yes. Part Two ends up being called. And then after that, they really they gotta mix it up. Like they need to tell different stories with different tones and different genres. They need to probably kill off some characters that we love to make room for ones yep. we haven't seen yet. Um, they they have to stop doing the normal hero's journey over and over. And even if they don't kill them off, just stop including them in the movies for a while. I mean, you don't once they get into basically whatever the phase they're going in after Infinity War, they can just pick and choose who they're wanting to put in the movies instead of constantly having to establish these characters. And I'm kind of tired of the hero's journey stuff. This this, you know, coming of age, learning how to be a superhero, learning how to fit into this universe. Like, I'm getting tired of it, and I like those kinds of stories, but I am interested in seeing what they're doing with Captain Marvel. That's going to be one that I am i can't remember the release date for it, but when they have it, I don't know if it's going to be a coming of age story, you know, with Brie Larson was cast as Carol Danvers. So she's young, so it could be a coming of age story, or it could be like Spider-Man Homecoming, where she's already a established and we just see her being awesome and i don't know which way it's going to be but i look forward to seeing because of the precedent spider-man homecoming is going to set if we're going to be able to move forward with already established superheroes and stop seeing these origin stories yeah yeah it'll be really interesting to watch going forward and then probably jennifer's in my favorite tv show right now is a youtube channel called vet ranch have you ever heard of vet ranch no okay Jennifer is an absolutely not I don't want to say I shouldn't even say it like that. She's not a crazy animal person, but Internet pet videos are like one of her. I don't even want to say guilty pleasures, but just one of her pleasures. She loves them and she sends them to me. And she discovered this YouTube channel called Vet Ranch, which is a rescue of it's a nonprofit rescue that works out of veterinarian offices in, I think, Texas, and they're they're funded completely on donations, and they show, you know, abused or neglected or injured animals, and they're always really sad, really hard off. You know, sometimes you see, you know, they have eyes infected or broken limbs at, or, you know, mange to the point where they just look like burn victims, and I mean, it's, it's horrible, the things that have happened to these animals, and then it shows over the course of months their recovery and, pro- and the entire recovery process, the procedures they're doing explaining what they're doing to save these animals and they're always they always have a happy ending every single time so you know going in that you're not going to be weepy and sad because they turn into these super happy animals who get adopted and have fun and live life and they're so uplifting that it is the only youtube channel that we subscribe to that we watch 
every single time that one of them comes up and we're always angry that there aren't more vet ranches because we just want to we've sat entire nights and watched like two or three hours of youtube videos of nothing but them rescuing animals and that's the reason it's the last one on my honorable mentions because it is definitely number seven on this because it is it's the only, I don't like YouTube videos generally, and for me to say that a YouTube channel is like my favorite ongoing TV show is huge praise for this. And I'm not an internet cat video person. I'll watch one occasionally if someone sends it to me, and this one I love. Yeah, that doesn't sound like something I would be interested in at all. Like, I, yeah. I can't do injured animals and procedures and stuff so no that's not for me but i understand why you like it and i'm glad that they have happy endings um although we yeah, should probably if it wasn't i'd hate it we should probably one of these days do like a youtube episode also and just talk about the things we actually do watch especially after the other yeah. week when we were talking about how we don't recognize anything from that youtube rewind video <laughs> so yeah yeah that might be fun to do um okay so my honorable mentions we touched on a bunch of them just because some of them were the same as yours but beyond that um game of thrones season six was fantastic it had has one of my favorite episodes of TV in it, The Battle of the Bastards, which was just yeah. Uh, I the filmmaking in that episode was amazing. Um, so I loved season six of Game of Thrones. Uh, I read for the first time all of the D and D books. I picked up all the fifth edition books. So I grabbed the Player's Handbook, the DM Guide, and the Monster Manual. Um, and I also got okay. Storm King's Thunder and Curse of Strahd. I read through all of them. I, um, You'll see, well, one of the things later in my top six is related to this, but it kind of inspired me to actually look deeper into tabletop RPGs. So I read through all of these, and I, I guess I'm prepared for a five camp, like a fifth edition campaign if I ever have the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. But mostly I just wanted to understand Dungeons and Dragons more because it was something that I had always kind of liked but never actually gotten into. So I remedied that by just I read all of these. Um, I've listened to a lot of Let's Play podcasts and Let's Play like YouTube videos this year of D and D in different forms and different RPG systems in general. And then I also started doing a little bit of tabletop stuff with my kids where. I have a totally homebrewed system. It's super simple, and we do some RPG stuff, and that comes directly from reading these books. Was just kind of like the inspiration that this is really cool. Um, tabletop role playing games are cool, and I should give them more of my attention. So that gets an honorable mention for sure. Uh, if I ever do actually do a campaign, which I did a little bit of a like a play by post one, but that I, I don't know, it, it's not the same. I, I, if I ever do a campaign around a table, you guys will definitely hear about it. Beyond that, uh, Captain America Civil War is on here, which, again, it's an MCU movie. It's kind of the same reason um, I really, really liked it, but they're also they're getting a little bit too predictable, a little bit too, yeah, this is another superhero movie, which I hate to feel like that because I still love the MCU, but it right. just didn't make the cut compared to the other things that I have on my top six, and it was there for a long time. It just didn't make it by the end of the year. So this was one of the last things that I and cut. And this one... And this one, like kind of like Doctor Strange with me, this one actually did make my cut. That we'll talk about it. So I might as well, you know, I might as well say it now. But we rewatched it recently, and Jennifer was when they released the Spider Man Homecoming trailer. We and we love Spider Man in Civil War. When we saw the trailer, we wanted to go back and watch the movie again to see everything, and it still held up so much for me that even though it was, you know. Uh, just another superhero movie i feel like this one was so well put together that it put almost everything else in the mcu to shame because the russo brothers know how to make a superhero action movie instead of just an action movie with superheroes in it or a superhero movie oh yeah like, it it's kind really of, good like i still love it yeah. it's you know this doesn't reflect on its quality it just didn't quite make the cut compared to the other things that i have on this list I still yeah. absolutely love that movie. It's great. I still think it's one of the best things from the MCU. So yeah, we can talk about it more when we get back to it on your list, because I know it's on there. Um, yeah. Star Trek Beyond is here, which I know mm. some people liked it more and less than others, but I, I had fun with it. I liked it. I've rewatched it a couple times, which means that it should probably make my honorable mentions. Um, Star Wars The Force Awakens special features, because Force Awakens came out last year, but the DVD with the special features came out this year, and I love behind-the-scenes stuff from Star Wars. Like, uh, I just love and all of that. I can't remember if I watched them. That was during one of the most just blurred, panicky, end of semester kind of I'm losing my mind sections for me when it came out that I didn't actually rewatch The Force Awakens for a couple of months after it came out. And so I 
don't remember if I've seen the special features, which means that if even if I did, I need to rewatch them so that I can know what is in them because I have no memory of them at all. Yeah, just as someone who worked professionally in video for so long, um, seeing the behind the scenes stuff and the cast and crew, mostly the crew stuff and the the effects yeah. and like the production pipeline, all of those things resonate with me in such a strong way that. Um, I look forward to seeing the special features, not quite as much as the movie, but it's like way up there for me. So same thing will be with Rogue One and with the next episode of Star Wars, like every movie that comes out um, when I actually get the DVD and I get to watch the special features on Blu-ray. I just I love it. I geek out about it. So I'll talk about that. I'm sure when I get the Blu-ray for Rogue One. I think I'm looking more forward to the bonus features in Rogue One than I am the movie coming back out and rewatching it because I want to see what all they include. I like watching all of that too. Like I love the behind the scenes Star Wars stuff. That's why I feel bad I don't remember The Force Awakens, but it's also probably the most anticipated part of Rogue One for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm glad that you're looking forward to something about Rogue One. <laughs> um beyond that. So, uh I did get into comics heavily for the first time ever this year, and we talked about that on our comics episode way back. Mm-hmm. And Go listen I, to it. Yeah, I didn't want to rehash all of the things I read. I, would, I just want to talk about the two that I'm actively subscribed to that really have their hooks into me, and I'm invested. So I'm not reading comics nearly as much as I was when we did that episode. Um, that was like the deepest dive I've ever done. Right now, I'm just subscribed to two. Yeah. And sometime in the next few months, I'll pick up another Marvel Unlimited subscription and kind of catch up on other things. But right now, I am subscribed to Rat Queens, which is like a definitely a mature rated, R rated take on like a Dungeons and Dragons type fantasy world. But the main cast of characters is all female and it has blood and sex and gore and it has those things. But they're done in a way where it always makes sense with the story. It's never gratuitous just for the fact of having it. And I appreciate that about it. So rat queens is really good i'm going to stay subscribed to that and then the other one is wayward which i've talked about a few different times it's it's such an interesting look at japanese culture and um the premise is kind of like teenagers are getting powers and becoming yokai and the old yokai which are like spirits in japan are getting less and less powerful so it's kind of a war between them but really the thing i like about it is finding out more about japanese culture and these little cultural essays at the end of every um at the end of every i want to say episode issue issue at the end of every issue yeah issue are a huge selling point for me i think i look forward to the essays more than the comic but i like both of them a lot so they both make it to my honorable mentions and then also hello from the magic tavern which i don't know if i've talked about on i the don't podcast. think you've mentioned that to me even i was i saw it on here and had no idea what it was okay so hello from the magic tavern is a podcast which you guys know i love podcasts uh. and it is one where the premise is that a guy who's just like a, a guy who does podcasts and he does comedy and stuff. He's like, all of these people are improv people. He fell through a portal behind Burger King in Chicago and he landed <laughs> in the magical land of Foon. And he has a slight Wi-Fi connection so he can still record and upload a podcast from his laptop that he had with him. That's the premise. And Every episode, it's him and then two other guys who are residents of Foon. There's Usador the wizard, and there's Chunt. The He's like a shapeshifter, but he's usually a badger. And they bring on a special guest every time for kind of an interview. But really, it's just about them doing improv in this fantasy world. It's like a comedy fantasy world. They do improv, and they just build on each other every time. So the world slowly gets fleshed out because all of these different improv people and comedians and famous people come on, and they just add to it off the cuff. And that is how this world is being developed. And I didn't find out about this until this year, and I've listened to all of it. There's, I don't know how many episodes there are now. There's at least like 50 or 60, and it's really, really good. And I realized I hadn't talked about it, so I needed it to make it here on the honorable mentions. That sounds super weird, and I don't think I would like it very much, but it's an interesting concept. It is super weird, and I didn't think I would like it, but I love it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I had to make it on this list somewhere, and it's not one of my absolute favorites from the year, but it's really cool, and I hadn't talked about it. So, hello from the Magic Tavern gets a thumbs up from me. The last thing on my honorable mentions, and then we'll get to our list for real now that we're half an hour into here, mm-hmm. um, 
is the Genius Game, which I talked about a bunch, but it's the Korean game show slash reality show thing. And I just, I love the design of the games and the way that they actually do the reality TV in such a different way from us. Um, I talked about this a couple episodes back. So if you've listened to all of them, you already know all of this, but it's, it's cool. If you want to see a well-designed game show slash kind of a little bit of reality show thrown in there, then yeah, you go check out the Genius Game. The whole first season is on YouTube and it's in Korean, so you have to read subtitles. That's the only hurdle to overcome. If you're okay with subtitles, it's totally worth your time to check it out. Yeah, and that's one thing that's putting me off on it is because I focus on one thing at a time that reality shows and game shows and things like that are very hard to keep my attention on. So reading a subtitled game show is probably never going to happen for me. Yeah, that doesn't really do it justice. I, I still want you to try one episode at some point. And if you don't like the first episode, then that's totally valid. But it's not really a straight up game show and it's not really a straight up reality show. It is its own thing in a way that you wouldn't see here in the U.S. So, yeah, yeah, I don't want to push it too hard because we got to get to our top six list here. (laughs) I love top six, top 12, whatever for the year. Um, Our top 12. Yeah. Why don't you go first? Because I've been talking for a while. Okay, so on mine, number six for me is Gravity Falls. I had heard so much about this cartoon, and I know I tried to get you to watch it, and I'm not sure if you ever even tried, but I don't know if you would like it or not. But it is one of my all-time favorite cartoon shows that I discovered initially at the beginning of this year because of Disney Infinity. There were Disney Infinity um, levels and themes and items you could unlock and music and all of this, and I had no idea what the references were to, what I was racing through in the you know Mario Kart-style levels. I had no idea about it. And, but I kept seeing things, I kept hearing about how good it was. And it finally, it wasn't on any streaming service. You would have to buy the two seasons of it because it's just two seasons long. And I finally saw that it was on Hulu. When I went crazy in August, I needed to just lie on my couch and do nothing. And that was a wonderful time to binge this cartoon. Because like I said earlier, cartoons kind of make me feel better whenever I'm in like one of my depressive states and anxiety states. So I was able to sit and binge this entire show and it turned into one of my absolute favorite TV shows and one of the best things I I consumed this year because it is definitely a kid show. Don't get me wrong. There are definitely uh, there are definitely elements that are targeted at kids. And it's one of those cartoons that does have things for the adults to watch, you know, like pretty much everything that's made these days. But what I love the most about it is that from episode one all the way to the end of season two, there is a single cohesive narrative that's going along through which you don't see in this kind of cartoon very often, that it tells a complete story. That yes, you have have monster of the week episodes because it's a cartoon you have the individual stories but in each episode they're dropping mythology hints and it all comes together in the very end for a three-part finale that ties everything together wraps everything up and still has enough room for if they ever did want to do any kind of tv movie or sequel or anything like that but it is a complete story which you don't see in america very often you see it a lot more in british tv where they will just end a series once the once the story has been told but you see in america things like i don't know uh supernatural that had an end date and they moved it forward and kept continuing because of the success of the show Gravity Falls is so good because it ends that you start, you see what's going on, you learn a whole lot about this world and the world building that they've set up. They keep bringing in references from earlier in the show and bringing back things to to con- they keep bringing things back from earlier in the season to establish continuity and keep that going. And then they end the story exactly how they should. It was fantastic. There was character development. There were actual arcs for these characters, which I did not expect out of a Disney XD cartoon. Disney XD between Star Wars Rebels and Gravity Falls has proven to me that current cartoons, current animated series that aren't, I don't like adult cartoons for the most part, that, that the... I may be watching Rick and Morty soon because I hear so much about it being compared to Gravity Falls, but Gravity Falls is just really the perfect animated TV show for me because it does everything I want a cartoon to do. 
Sweet. Yeah, that this one and then your next one on your list um, are both ones I tried and I bounced off of. So but I mean, obviously, we like some things that are very similar and then some things that are just we totally aren't into the same things. And this is one of them. I don't do yeah, cartoons just... as much as you, but I know you talked to me about this one so much. So I'm glad that it made your cut for the year because I know how much you liked it. Yeah, it was so good. Just like number five for me was Mr. Robot that I avoided for a very long time because it has a dumb name. That I thought it was going to be like Robot Chicken, which I despise. And so I never, I never picked it up. Then I was at lunch with a local developers group and some of the guys were talking about it and how it was a hacker show. They described it as Fight Club with Hackers. And I was like, that sounds awesome. So I went home and the first season was on Amazon Prime. This was again during the part uh, part of the year where I was binging Gravity Falls. So when I moved from the cartoon, I moved directly into this. I watched the pilot and I was all in. This show is Fight Club with hackers. That they even play Where Is My Mind by the Pixies in the background one time just to establish yes, this is what we're doing on purpose. They hung a lantern on it, like Brandon Sanderson says in the Writing Excuses podcast. They hung a lantern on it, like, yes, this is what we're doing. Now we can move forward without you thinking, you know, that we're stealing this and that it's an homage. Homage, I don't know how, I can't say anything. And it's so good. Like, it's the most accurate, I suppose, in terms of hacking shows that I've seen, they don't make it out to be like this giant 3D interface that your, you know, touchscreens floating in the air to get through firewalls and all of this. They're typing Linux commands. I mean, they're on the command line using a bash shell. And I mean, I paused it occasionally to look up when I saw them type something I didn't know. So this was the time that I was learning Linux. I saw all of this and I got it in my head that I could be a hacker too. This would be awesome. I want to do this. Uh, kind of the same way Breaking Bad was that I started watching it on the day that I had a really terrible day at work. And then I saw that he was, you know, starting to do his thing, you know, making meth and everything. I was like, this is a good idea. This is completely reasonable. And I was like, I've had a really bad day at work. That's kind of the way Mr. Robot was. It was like, I'm in a bad place because becoming a black hat hacker sounds really awesome right now. But it, uh, it just became so good. It I love Chuck Palahniuk novels, which Palahniuk is the one who wrote Fight Club, and there it's just so good. Like it hit every dark, depressing tone that I love. I know we talked last week about Rogue, or we talked a couple of weeks ago about Rogue One and how it was too dark for me. But there's a certain kind of darkness that is just supreme, not even dystopian darkness, but just this oppressive disturbing grotesque darkness like societal grotesqueness that i love and i eat up and it puts me in a better mood when i watch it and chuck polinick novels do that to me and mr robot has that exact same tone and atmosphere for me where when i watch it i get cheered up because and i, I can't explain why that it is when i'm in a good mood i watch stuff like this where just it is incredibly dark like the entire thing is dark and depraved and really disturbing where it just pushes beyond the level of taking itself too seriously into the point where it's all grotesque and i just start eating it up yeah and, and i know that's, you hate it that's why i bounced off of it i don't like shows like that when it's just when it gets dark to the point of like you said grotesque like it, that's not for me anymore i i like a dark tone in my movie sometimes but it has to be the right kind of thing and i think you and i like different tones of dark when we're in that kind of mood mm -hmm. and this is the kind that i'm not into at all um i really liked the first episode and then every episode after that i liked it less and less and less until i got about halfway through the season and i gave up because it was turning into like breaking bad drugs and like drug culture and uh, like addiction and like grotesque dark things that i just i don't need to watch any more of that like i've watched breaking bad once in my life i've had my fill of that kind of show and i just i couldn't do it anymore i was like nope Nope, I'm done. But I know why you like it. And I also know that the some of the core of it is really good with the hacking stuff. That's why I like the first few episodes yeah. when it was all about that. I was bought in and then it got more and more about other things. And I I just wasn't into that. Um, but yeah, I got to play catch up. You're on number five and I haven't even started. Um, number six for me is Ink and Bone and then Paper and Fire. So it's the first two books yeah. in the Great Library series, which I talked about over a few different weeks for Geekery. And 
I just I loved these novels. It's Rachel Kane, who I like some of her other stuff, and she kind of fell off my radar for a while, and I don't know why, but I finally went back to her this year, and I'm so glad that I did. These books were amazing. They were my favorite books of the year, no question. And then I went back and I actually listened to the first one with Audible, and I'm probably going to re-listen to the second one, too. That's how much I like them. And I want to go read these or listen to these at some point. It's just I haven't. Actually, I may go today. I have one Audible credit where I may get ink and bone on audio and just use it because I've been looking for something else that's not a Star Wars novel. Yeah, it's just a really cool alternate world. I love her writing style, too, and her pacing, which is always key for me, pacing. But the world that she has set up is very interesting. The great library of Alexandria did not burn down and instead became like the de facto power in the world. And then slowly over time, they suppressed certain technologies while letting other technologies get ahead. So in some ways, well, the world is technically like farther in the future than us. And in some ways, they have better technology than us. And in some ways, they're still stuck in like ancient technology. So it's this really weird mix between the two. But basically, the library controls all information through it's kind of Kindles, for lack of a better term. It's like a combination of like a Kindle and a tablet and a book all at the same time. It's its own device for this world. But that kind of gets you in the right ballpark. And yeah, that's where it starts off. And the main character is the son of a book thief who operates on the black market. And he slowly like gets integrated with the library. It's just, it's really, really good. I would totally recommend these books to anybody who's a reader at all. So yeah, um, you start with Ink and Bone, and then the second one is out also. But if you look for the Great Library series, it will pop up for sure. And what's super interesting to me about this, and I don't think I've actually said it on any of the other podcasts where you've mentioned it, is that one of the, and, and this is very self-serving, don't get me wrong, that one of the ideas for books that I've been running through my mind is something where information is controlled like that uh, in very similar similar way to it where you where it, it's kind of doled out and there's one particular place where everything is that that is controlled digitally like that so it sounds super interesting as a place where i can you know get a jumping off point for uh the the stories that i want to tell in my books yeah yeah no i would just i would totally recommend these books to anyone and then my number five is pandemic legacy season one which is it, it's pandemic but it's in a legacy format so if you don't know legacy board games are ones where it's kind of a one-use board game but that doesn't mean it's one play session it's one like playthrough that goes over play session after play session after play session it's kind of like having a story in a book or having a video game that you play through there's definitely changes that happen in the world and there's changes that happen that kind of create a story while you play this board game but it also changes the mechanics. The underlying mechanics of the game get added to, sometimes subtracted from, sometimes totally subverted by what happens throughout the course of the gameplay. And Pandemic Legacy Season 1 takes place over the course of one year. So depending on how good you do, it will be between 12 play sessions and 24 play sessions. You basically get a shot at each month and if you fail the first one then you get another shot at it and the game scales up and down just it, it's built into the game that the better you do the tougher it gets over time but then if you start to not do well then it gets easier again like you get bonuses and then they get taken away stuff like that depending on how well you're doing okay so we played it with three people i think it's two to five players and i've talked to a lot of people that have played it with different player counts and everyone had the same reaction that it was just the best board game they've ever played and I stand by that. I think this is the best board game I've ever played. I'm super excited for Pandemic Legacy Season 2 whenever that comes out. It might be this year. It might be another year or two away. But yeah, yeah, I just I love this board game so much. And that's something that sounds really interesting to me, but I don't think I will ever get to play because I don't have enough people uh, in my life, including my wife, who are willing to set that amount of time to a board game. That's why I don't do D&D campaigns or anything like that is because I don't have a consistent group of tabletop gamers who are interested enough to do it. Yeah, and I mean, that's why we played with three players. It was me, my wife, and my brother, and it, it was fine. It okay. played just great with three, and we did it in like... I want to say it was only three play sessions that we did the entire thing, but they were long. They were like eight hour play sessions, I think, every time. Like we we were really invested. So we kept coming back to it 
like night after night and we just blasted through it but it was amazing it stuck with me for a long time i think that may drive my wife insane an eight hour gaming session she doesn't understand how i sit and play video games for the couple of hours that i do so it's i think that might literally drive her mad yeah but i mean an eight hour gaming session where we played through like half of it or like a third of it you know it's it's not one round okay so it's it wasn't just one round it wasn't just one month doing that no, it was like the first night we okay. played through five months and then the next night we played through five months and some of those took multiple attempts. So it wasn't five rounds of the game. It was like six or seven rounds of the game each night. And then okay. the last that night that makes we, a lot more sense. Yeah. And then the last night we did like the last a few months and finished off the game. But it was just that we were so invested that once once we finished up one month or one attempt at a month, we immediately wanted to jump into the next one. And we played until like, I don't know, like 2 a.m. both of the first two nights. And then we had to like, okay, I guess it's late. We have to quit. But do you want to come back tomorrow type of thing? Like, that's how good it was. Okay, that makes so much more sense. Because I was like, if you're having to do eight hours to get an entire session in, it's like, no, that will, as much as I like Pandemic. No, that's not it at all. no way I'll be able to do uh, Pandemic Legacy. Nope. No, it, it plays in about the same time that a normal pandemic game plays in for any one individual round. Maybe slightly longer, but not much. Yeah, what's your number four? Number four for me is actually the Dick Van Dyke show. Like, this is from the 60s, and I don't like old media. And I don't like old TV shows generally. I don't like old movies. That Star Wars is it, really, for me. Star Wars and Willy Wonka are the really the two things that I can do from the 60s, 70s, and, and before. And Dick Van Dyke has... We were on vacation this year. We spent a weekend in a cabin in the mountains. And we were flipping through the TV channels to see what channels they had. And Dick Van Dyke was on. Jennifer got me to stop, watch, stop on the channel, and we watched it. And it was the first episode of it I've ever seen. And I liked it and laughed so much that we decided to come back home and stream it on Netflix. And this has been our go-to show of just sitting around at night when we just want something to watch together and laugh that it holds up so well as a modern sitcom as a modern tv show that and it still has continuity between it that we didn't know about we didn't actually think they did stuff like that in the 60s because of how tv couldn't be replayed that you're having to wait on reruns to play during the off season all of this and it's very good that the characters are engaging. I like the actors and actresses, and it's only occasionally that there's a storyline that doesn't age well. For the most part, a lot of the comedy and a lot of the comedy and references are just to family life and business life that you don't have a lot of cultural references. You don't see a whole lot that is 60s centric where it is just that. I mean, you see occasionally how the relationship dynamics change between the man and wife and the working relationships and all of this, but for the most part, it's surprisingly modern in how it presents, you know, people and how it's just so good and I like these characters so much and I don't even know how to to describe it for someone who has never seen it or is just kind of written it off as an older sitcom or something it's the only one that I really want to go back and watch that I I just really really got invested in this and I I don't even I can't it's so good that I really think I'm going to be sad when it ends that's sad yeah i i don't have a lot of commentary for it i think i've seen two episodes on like reruns late at night yeah back in the day like i you know now i don't uh-huh. see any reruns on anything because i don't watch tv i stream everything right but yeah no that's cool that you found a show and you have a big backlog too which is nice that you really like yeah yeah that's five that's seasons so cool. over the course of of the show but all of the seasons are like 35 episodes long like the seasons were much longer so it's really like having seven or eight seasons by the time you're done because math doesn't work for me so i'm just kind (laughs) of shooting it out there wow nice yeah for me uh my number four is rogue one and i'm not gonna linger on it because go two episodes back if you want me to linger on it which we could talk for a long time again um rogue one makes my number four cut i loved it i thought it was great um it's still really fresh 
And so I'm not sure where this would sit if I had more time with it, if I had seen it a couple more times and had more time to think about it. It might go up in my rankings. It might go slightly down for this year, but it would definitely make this cut of the top six, no question. So for me, it's kind of right in the middle. It's at number four. Rogue One, I thought was fantastic. I loved it. Like I said, if you want more, go back and listen to episodes again because that was fun. That was a good conversation. <laughs> but yeah, my... Yeah, it was a good conversation. It was one of the best conversations that we've actually had on here, I yeah, think. Yeah, that was good. So what's your number three? Number three for me is Civil War. Which you, you know, you about, had it yeah. your honorable mentions, and Captain America's Civil War ended up being my number three of the year, where I loved it when it came out. I went and saw it again in the theater, and then I completely lost interest in it. That Jennifer was saying, oh, we should watch Civil War sometime again. And I was all like, eh, Civil War, I've seen it. It's dark. They're fighting. and I don't care anything about it. And then when we watched it again, I realized that I was being an idiot. That at that point, it was, yes, I was burned out on superhero movies, and I had no interest. I think Suicide Squad is actually what did it, where I kept seeing everyone talk about Suicide Squad, and I'm like, like, these are really starting to burn me out. There's just too much superhero right now. And I just finished watching Supergirl. So I'm just, I don't want to. And then we finally watched it a few weeks back. And it's so good that it still holds up that despite all of the influences from all of the other superhero media, this one was just so well done. I regret not having watched it sooner and rewatching it at least one more time. That pretty much everything they did do in it outside of a few things you know there's always nitpicks with movies but it's just one of the best put together mcu movies where they finally learned structure character and how to tie this much stuff together that i don't feel they had in age of ultron and i know you really liked age of ultron but i feel like this is the avengers movie that i've been waiting for yeah past i like the first civil one. war more but like by far I'm, and I'm really glad that it made your cut this high because it got knocked off my list but it was on this list for a really long time it almost made the cut for me like i really liked yeah. civil war it just barely made it off so yeah i'm glad that one of us had it because that's a great movie and i still really like the episode we did about it that was so fun to just talk about it um it was and then my number three is actually the same as your number two so let's talk about them at the same time this is Westworld, okay. and yeah if you guys don't know we had talked about it a little bit and we're probably this is another thing that we're probably overdue for an episode about Westworld. we'll probably do that season two because it's really fun but the basic premise is that it's a world that's kind of a theme park but it's kind of an open world MMO and it's filled with robots and you get to go in as a human and kind of do whatever you want. So some people are evil, some people are good, some people follow the stories that lines, some people just go there to have sex with the prostitute robots. I mean, some people go in just to kill. They just start killing all the robots because they can. Just indiscriminately. Yeah, and other people just go with their family and just go in like a historical trip for a week. Like mm -hmm. how was it to live back then? So there's this wide range of people that go in but that's kind of the setting. And I don't want to get into spoilers because I think that'll be fun to do as a full episode. But needless right. to say, I love this show. I love the direction it went. And I love what it started to get to about like what is consciousness, what is AI, mm -hmm. and when do you cross those boundaries? And it really started hitting on a lot of commentary about stuff like that that got philosophical that felt the way that The Matrix did in 1999. That once you started thinking about it, it's like, yeah, this is definitely sci-fi, but it really stuck in the back of your mind like, oh, that makes a lot of sense the way that they're handling this. And just talking about consciousness and, you know, and the, the tie and I'm not this isn't really a spoiler, just the tie between, you know, memories and consciousness and just feeling about yourself is just like, wow, that's. That's deep, man. And I resisted this show for a very long time that I heard. I was, I think, six episodes were out before I started watching it. And I did not care anything about it. Like, I was like, okay, there's a sci-fi Western. I'll probably get to this at some point. I kept seeing people post a little bit about it on Twitter. And then when you told me, like, the full premise, like you just did, you used that pitch on me, and it worked. I sat down and watched it, and it's so good. Part of it is that it's well-written, but it's also so well-cast 
the actors that they have in these roles are so perfectly cast that you couldn't see them as anybody else. That these are real people doing all of this, which goes with the premise so well because you don't know which ones are people. Yeah, it's it's just such a good show. Um, it's, I mean, it's my show of the year. I'm just looking at my list. I don't have any other shows higher than it. Yeah. So yeah, Westworld, you know, it beat out Game of Thrones on my list too. I loved season six of Game of Thrones and that didn't even make the cut and Westworld is on here. So I absolutely loved Westworld and we will, I promise we will talk about it. I want to do a whole episode on it. Yeah. And we'd planned on doing it before the end of the year and we just got excited about Star Wars and our pre-Star Wars episode kind of pushed it Westworld back into this year. Yeah, but we'll get to it because, I mean, this will give more people time to watch it also, which I think is good. It still seems like it's kind of building steam just through word of mouth now that the whole thing is out and people can go binge it. So, yeah, hey, if you want some homework sometime in the next month or two, it probably won't even be that long. We will do an episode about Westworld. So go watch it. Yeah, go watch it. So that was my number three, your number two. So my number two is The Adventure Zone, which I talked about a little bit. Have you listened to any of it yet? No, I didn't. As much as you talk about it, I don't think I'm going to like it. It is. It's not something that I care much about at all. It's it's just it's amazing. It's like one of the best narrative experiences that I've had. It's, you know, my second best for the entire year. It's a D&D live play podcast, but that doesn't do it justice because I listened to a ton of D&D like live play, let's play type of podcast this year. I listened to I watched a lot of streams of it. I watched a lot of YouTube videos of different people in different structures and I kind of landed on I like Acquisitions Incorporated but beyond that a lot of the other ones devolve into here's some guys being broy around a table drinking and it devolves into yeah. in jokes and if it doesn't lean that way it tends to lean the way of they just get so into the mechanics of the fights and that is the least interesting to listen to like that Absolutely. that doesn't have any interest to just sit there and listen to fight after fight of like D&D fourth edition or fifth edition mechanics. I mean, when you're around a table playing, that's one thing, but to sit there and listen to it, that's not entertaining. And well, even then around a table, I prefer the storytelling and interaction part over than the, the actual mechanics of dice rolling. Right. So that's what the adventure zone is. The adventure zone is there to tell a story and it is based on D&D fifth edition. But I mean, that's the base of it really it's a it's a vehicle to tell a story and they're role-playing three characters plus the dm um and it's the guys from my brother my brother and me who have a ton of podcasts it's the mcelroy brothers and their dad which is kind of funny so one of the brothers is the dm and then two of them are playing and then their dad is playing too so it's three characters and it's them going through the story and like i i can't do it justice for how good it is this is the best like tabletop role-playing thing that I've ever listened to. It's the best Dungeons and Dragons thing I've ever listened to. It's just amazing. The Adventure Zone is its one of my favorite things from the year. I'm so glad I found it. And now that I'm caught up, I have to wait two weeks between every episode. And it's just like torture because it is my favorite podcast to listen to. And I just anticipate every other Thursday so much so that I can get a new episode of it. I just I love the Adventure Zone. I just need to spread the word so more people can listen to the Adventure Zone. Didn't you say that your wife is listening to this as well, that you got her into it and that she binged the entire thing and you now listen to it together? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't need to know D&D. You don't have to be interested in tabletop role playing games at all to like this show because that's not what it's about. I mean, like I said, that's what it's built on. But that's not the moment to moment. And that's not what it's about. It's about the characters. It's about the interaction. It's about the story. And like, I am so invested in the characters of this world now. And it's just four guys around a table. Well, around podcast microphones over long distances, but you know, a virtual table. And yeah, it it left a huge impact on me, especially um, one of the latest arcs was just, I don't want to give it away because it's so amazing. If you are listening, because I know that there are listeners who started this after I mentioned it last time, there's an arc called The Eleventh Hour, and oh my gosh, it it's just, it's one of the best pieces of storytelling that I've listened to. It blew me away. I can't even, like I said, I can't do it justice. I love The Adventure Zone. I want more people to listen to it. There, that's my number two. All right. And then I think our number one is not going to be a surprise to anybody who has been consistently listening to the podcast. Yes. And I'm going to give you guys a five second head start just to scream it out what it is so that you know you got it right. So take your seconds. 
And you're absolutely right, it's Hamilton. It is Hamilton. And you were right. You get a cookie. If Good you job. got it wrong, you still go go get yourself a cookie and listen to Hamilton while you're getting it. Yeah, this one should be obvious to anyone who's been listening all year. Um, we love Hamilton. It's just, I don't even know what to say at this point. I, I named my latest pet Hamilton because I love it. You know, I have a guinea pig named Hamilton now because of it. it I think that it is a musical that is going to stand the test of time in a way that most of them don't. Um, a lot yeah. of musicals are kind of like flash in the pan, but then there are some that are classics that just kind of linger and they always stay relevant. I see this becoming that. Like, it, it just seems like it has such staying power. But it, just for this year alone, I mean, it's revolutionary what they did with it. The It blew me away. It's It's crazy how good Hamilton is. I still listen to it. Like, it's one of the only pieces of music that I've been listening to all year consistently, and I'm not sick of it at all. No, I'm not sick of it either, and it is pretty much the only music I've listened to. I listen to it when I'm running. I listen to it when I'm driving. I listen to it when I'm just around the house. I don't like the mixtape nearly as much. Um, I like the original songs on it, but I don't like the uh, the covers because I think the original Broadway cast does them better oh, than yeah, the sure. famous because they don't have the range. That's one thing about broadway performers is that they have they have to have such a range and power behind their voices that popular performers don't have that so the sound on the covers falls flat compared to what the the original cast is even though the mixtape was produced and put together by the roots the same people who did the soundtrack so you can tell the difference in quality and that's the reason the mixtape was not nearly as enjoyable for me but the the original soundtrack is pretty much the only music I care about right now. And I'm not a music person, so but I'm a musical person. I love musicals. I'm a theater guy. I've been I've done theater my entire life, you know, my adult life and teenage life at least, and it's it's great. Like this is definitely one I feel is going to go down and it's going to consistently be in the higher to sound really pretentious in the higher echelons of the of Broadway just because of how good it is because of the quality of songwriting the depth of the songwriting that you can listen to it that easily the dozens and dozens and dozens of times that you and I have and this thing is like three hours long and still find new things through the lyrics that you haven't heard before that it's fun to sing along to that it's made me go and learn about the characters and I say characters but it's made me go and learn about these people that I I love the things that Eliza Hamilton did that you you hear after you know the rest of her life the stuff that she did that it's it's just brilliant and good and the stuff that these we talked about it during the Rogue One uh, podcast a little bit to tie it back into geek like actual geek stuff these unsung heroes who do things that no one hears about like the systems that we have in place right now and the things that we take for granted in so many ways in america are put together by eliza and alexander hamilton that it's just astonishing how little we know about their lives and you know they're they're obviously liberties taken because this is an adaptation i mean absolutely people are changed roles are changed events are changed but the overall story just astonishes me where I learned so much about American history that I then went and learned the actual American history behind it. It's just, it's so good. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things is that sometimes we forget that um, the media that we're consuming, it's art, right? Like TV shows, uh, books, movies, video games, like all the things we take in on a daily basis, music, all of that, it's art. And sometimes there's something that comes along and it reminds you that it's an art form and that it can be like mastered. And I would say that Hamilton is a masterpiece for, you know, musicals like in its own art form. Hamilton is a masterpiece yeah. for sure. It's just it's absolutely so good. And yeah, I, I don't know if you haven't listened to it by now. You should because we've been talking about it all year. I still love it. I just think it's it's crazy good. I can't wait to see what the next thing that Lin-Manuel Miranda does is. And it sounds like it might actually be the King Killer Chronicles, which is my favorite book series ever. So now I'm kind of freaking out that that that's could not, be I don't think amazing. that's the next thing. Well, it, whatever. He's that, attached to it. I don't care. I'm excited anyway. Like The it, Little Mermaid live action movie. Really? Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. doing it. He, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see, but he's extremely talented. 
and he'll be an artist to watch going forward probably for the rest of his life like this yeah this has proved him as a true artist and i think anything he touches from now on is going to get a lot of attention and it's one thing where a lot of times on broadway i don't care that much about the creators i don't i don't pay attention to that i like the shows and this one jennifer and i have started talking about him as lynn that we're like, oh, Lynn did this. You know, I saw Lynn post today. It's like he's our buddy because of how close we are with the with the musical. That it's it's had such an impact on our lives and the way that we consume media and music. We talk in Hamilton quotes. When Jennifer says something terrible, uh, like a bad pun, I just look at her and go, you are the worst, Burr. I mean, and it's just things like that where this is such an... It's just so ubiquitous now in our lives that... It couldn't not be number one, that it is the best thing that I learned about this year, even though it came out last year. And I was so resistant to listen to it. And I'm so glad that you pushed this on me. So now let's push it on everybody else. Yeah. The one thing that I would say before we move on um, and wrap up is that if you haven't listened to it, don't just go on YouTube and pick a couple random songs because it's really not going to have the same impact on you. It is a story. It is a musical. It's, you know. It's meant to be experienced in order the first time that you experience it. And if you don't do that, you are doing yourself a major disservice. Like, go actually listen to it in order. I I think if you have Amazon Prime, it's on streaming. And I don't know if it's on. Spotify. Is it on Spotify? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So do that. Go and start with the first song and just listen through. And hopefully you will be as amazed as we are. Um, yeah, yeah. This was a long episode. I'm glad we did it. Do we have any geekery this week? Um, I'm playing around on my phone. I know that sounds silly, but I'm downloading all of the games that I've been playing with, and I'm just loving them. And I finally, with a bigger screen, I'm reading comics on the Marvel Unlimited app because they had a sale on, and I'm super enjoying it. That cool. I'm so excited to read comics again. That's good, yeah. And again, we'll report back because we'll have had three weeks off before we record again. But you guys are hearing these spaced out evenly. Um, for me, the only other thing that I haven't talked about in the last couple episodes, which were today and yesterday for us recording, is yeah. the NES Classic. I finally got one, guys. And I've only had it for a few days, so I'm still kind of geeking out about it. But honestly, the best part about it already is seeing my kids play it like oh my goodness it brings such joy to my heart to see them with the controller sitting right up by the tv playing the games that i played when i was their age like i can't even express how much that just like warms my heart and just gives me joy and i'm playing it too like every night i'm playing a little bit maybe just a game or two or 10 minutes here and there um the first night i sat down with it for like six hours but oh yeah of course after that it's just like a little bit here and there but man my kids love it and that makes me happier than anything else about it possibly could and okay yeah yeah yeah. i i'll report back more after the break i'm sure and I want you guys to realize that he sent me a picture of his kids. He texted me two pictures of his kids playing this game, and it made my ovaries start aching. And I don't have ovaries. Like, it was like, oh, I need babies. And ah! Like, it was so cute. It was so wonderful. It was awesome. Like, it was the most adorable thing I may have ever seen in my life. They are quite cute. Okay, that will about wrap it up for season one. Thank you for listening this year. You guys have been amazing. Um, there will be no break in the episodes for you guys like i said we're taking a little break but you will see one hit your feed next week same time as always that'll be the start of season two chances are it's going to be pure geekery what have we done over the holidays what have we done with our little break what's new and then after that we'll start getting into topics again like we normally do probably with westworld that one's coming up fast i promise we will get to that one but yeah um if you don't know by now, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And you know, you guys want to get our email updates so that you never miss an episode. So sign up at geek2geekcast.net and tell us what shows you want updates about. If you want, you know, Geek2Geekcast, the comic box, health hacks, whatever it is. Yeah, perfect. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And I blog and podcast at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next season, I suppose, geeks. And Happy New Year! That too.